Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. So today I'm joined by another amazing woman and today is going to be the first of a three-part series around journeys into motherhood and how that journey into parenthood can look different for different people. So today I'm joined by Rebecca. Rebecca's an avid reader. She's a wife, a mum, a dog lover and Thank you very much for joining me today, Rebecca. Oh, thank you for having me. So today we're going to talk about, um, yeah, your journey into becoming a mum. And you didn't have, well, I don't want to use the term normal, so you didn't have, I guess, the most typical route into motherhood. Yeah, and it's good that you're doing this series because there's so many ways to get where you want to be and everyone has such different life stories and um, ours might not even be the typical yeah, the, the typical <laughs> abnormality. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where would you like me to start? So let's start at the beginning. So you knew from a young age that it was unlikely that you would be able to have children of your own. Is that right? Yes, yeah. Uh, so I knew from an early age that I probably wouldn't uh, be able to have my own uh, or there was a very small chance. And then um, my husband, uh, he's comfortable with me sharing, saying that, he had early, very young childhood cancer, so he knew that he'd obviously well, likely to be fertility issues there him. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, when we went uh, through our journey, we, we started uh, with IVF. So with that, just before you, um, so with that, even though you knew it was going to be difficult for you to have children, having children was still a priority for you. Yes, we had big discussions, my husband and I, and we still felt that we would we would really like to care for a child. Mm-hmm. So we, in that being a parent, you're obviously supporting someone and pouring that energy to help them be who they are mm-hmm. and guiding them So as a parent. And we really thought, well, what is a parent? Yeah. Um, you're there guiding and supporting another little being. That's their own personality. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, we, we felt that we would really like to put that energy into that. Mm. Mm. No. So um, you knew from early on in your relationship. Can I ask, at what point in in what point in the relationship did you both discuss the, the fertility issues and that that may be, you know, was that going to have long-term implications on you staying together? It's a bit of a funny story. <laughs> oh, good, they're my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> was this one of those natural moments like it was just like over breakfast and it just ended up coming out and we both were like oh really I'm me to and it was just really amazing because you can sometimes be a bit nervous about well that's that. what I was going to ask were you apprehensive in sharing that because you know what would that mean oh uh, if you know me <laughs> I'm just like this is how it is I can't yeah. change it yeah. And you just got to hope for the best and just say, uh, like, if they accept you, they accept you. And if not, then Move on. you just enjoy the time and yeah. keep going. And it takes a lot of trust to have that conversation, I imagine, though. Yeah. Um, especially if that's affected previous relationships. Yeah. Like, lucky for me that it hadn't. And um, this. Yeah, it just worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so how long had you been together when you decided that actually now it was time to start thinking about becoming parents? 
Well, I said to Miles, we'd obviously, because we knew that we'd had difficulties, mm. that once we'd married, uh, we're married, we'd give it a month or two and then we'd start booking things in just to see where we'd have to start, how long it would take and how to, yeah, look into that journey. Mm. So what were your first steps? Well, the first step, we obviously had to get a referral to IVF uh, and then uh, and all the doc specialist doctors and things like that. And so we ended up doing that first and that obviously took a few months to get into because, you know, some specialists are very booked out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, they did all their battery of tests and things like that and um, then they did our plan with us. So it's a lot of you do quite a few things and then nothing mm. for a long time. And then at the same time I had big discussions uh, with Miles just to say that I really wanted to look at this as well because IVF, you've got such a low chance. Like mm -hmm. they can't give you exact percentages and everyone's different. And But it's kind of approximately maybe 30% chance that you might. Yeah. So um, you said that with IVF, it's kind of everything goes and then there's long waiting periods. How do you, how do you kind of hold those waiting periods? I don't know. I just train my brain to set and forget. I'm like, <laughs> I like, I put it in my diary. This is when we're going to review it, and then I just get on with other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But my husband's di di different, a bit different. Yeah, that. I think my husband would probably have the same kind of mentality of that. Right. Well, we've got it booked in the calendar. It's there. I've done what I need to do, and then we'll just leave it. And I would be obsessing over it. Like I don't think I'd be able to let it go. Yeah. And I, I get that and it is quite common for people. And as I said, my husband was thinking about it a bit more. Um, I'm just maybe different and I just hmm. I just was like, you do what you can up until a point and then there, there's, you just, there's nothing just you can do. To the you universe. just physically have to wait and people cope with that differently. I just, I'm like, right, I've done that. Booked in, done. Move mm. on. Next thing. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Revisit that. That like, yeah. Yeah. So while you had this, so you'd got the IVF process underway, mm. and then you wanted to look at the process of adoption as well. Yes. So I also booked that in. Uh, so you have to book in for an information seminar first, mm -hmm. and then they tell you everything. And they, they set your expectations and... So tell me a little bit about that, about setting those expectations. Oh, my, as I said to you, my most vivid memory is when they they bring you all in, you're all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed yeah. and excited to look at this and thinking, oh, yeah. Was there part of you that was looking around going, oh, my God, these are my competition. I'm going to kneecap them in the car park. <laughs> No, no, I really don't advocate kneecapping people in the car no, park to steal babies. No, I never thought of it like that. I just thought, oh, we're all here to get information. Yeah. I, I, I get a bit shy, and I'm just like, I'm just like, I'll just focus on what I'm here for, get the information, and we can think about it. And the first thing they say, to you, they sit you down, they stare you in the eye, and they say, 
expect not to get a child. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, how did it feel hearing that? Um, I was like, that makes sense. At first you're like a bit in like stunned and shocked. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, yeah. Because they say we work for the child, not for you, and we support the biological parents and as much as possible and then we go through the process of supporting them and, and relinquishment and what we mm. need to do with them first and then we look for the most suitable and the best option for the child yeah so we work for the child mm. with that relinquishment do you know um and it's okay if you don't know because i'm putting you on the spot do you know how long so when um when a woman or when a, a couple do relinquish a baby do they have a cooling off period where they can change their mind I believe they do before that they're placed with yeah. the adoptive parents. I'm not fully up to speed on yeah. all of that process. Yeah. Uh, the department are wonderful. They'll be able to guide mm. people through that. And which department is it? The Department of um, Children's Services. I'm, I forget the exact CPFS name. CPFS still, yeah. Child and Family, Family Protective Services. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that department, uh, and so it the whole process takes at least four months after the child's uh, born, mm. and they go into pre-adoptive foster care mm -hmm. while they're obviously helping uh, the relinquishing parent, yeah, uh, and parents, uh, and so during that time, they'd obviously really keep monitoring that and, and helping them in case there was any little doubt or yeah. any, anything that they needed to work through. Mm. Um, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, it took us off, the, off track there a minute, sorry. Um, so you went okay. to that first mm. information session. What happens after that? So they... they They've talk, told you, chances are you're wasting your time here today. Well, <laughs> it is so different for everyone as well. This is what they explain. Like some people, they might be called up the day after they, they're put on the prospective uh, adoptive parent list. They might be called up the next day. Other people, they might not get the call. Yeah. So it's so varied and it really does depend on the child. So after they've said that, they say you have to do some seminars. Mm -hmm. So they're... Is two to three further seminars that you need to do, and you pay for those ones and you book them in. Are they expensive? Uh, they're approximately about five hundred dollars for a couple <sighs> each, uh, and then uh, they they explain that process. They also explain that you have to fill in uh, a form to say that that you would would like to go through the process that you then fill in a, at the end of all your seminars, you fill in an application form mm -hmm. and, and pay, I think it's around a thousand dollars. So the time that you're going through IVF, because um, from everything I've understood, IVF is not necessarily the cheapest process either. So you're going through IVF and you're paying out two, three thousand dollars to get, to get the process for adoption started at the same time. Yes. 
and yeah. um it, yeah so we were have been fortunate enough. I know they say children are expensive but normally it's after they're born <laughs> yeah and so you can choose to apply for local or international adoption we chose to just apply for local adoption as because with international adoption you have to maintain their culture to a high standard as much as possible so really immerse them in that culture because that's another extra loss and we or i felt um i may not possibly be able to do that to the standard i would want um and i just wanted to focus on local adoption first because they can even be from different backgrounds as well and that's i think um probably something that's really important there is that experience of loss so you know when you've got a child who who has experienced multiple losses that comes with adoption that loss of culture it's an additional layer so i think that it's really interesting that you raise that because um you know when i was growing up i knew somebody who their family adopted a little girl from korea but there was nothing there that they offered for that child around actually going back to korea or learning the language or spending time with with other people from that culture so that it is such an added layer of um, complexity around how you make sure that you do that and do that well, mm. keeping that child at the forefront. Yeah, but as I said, we didn't really investigate that too much. So there is a whole seminar on all of that and mm. they have their international adoption team that will help you with that. And, and there are people, lots of people that do do, do both mm. and do look at international and even with local they can be from different backgrounds as well. So you so still, even with local adoptions, it's still something to think about. Yeah, but at least they haven't had that move from a different country. Mm, yeah. Yes. So they, they explain all that process and the costs and what you do. And then as part of the application form, you also have to do a full medical, full police clearance, background checks, uh, or driver driving checks, um, they do your financial checks. They do every single check. There's not an inch that is not checked, which you have to prepare yourself for that. I was going to say, how did that feel? Well, it's kind of invasive, but mm. they do their best to try and make it not feel that. But it, they have to be thorough because they've got to do the best for the child. Yeah. Uh, and they don't obviously don't want to put the child in a situation where it it's they haven't checked everything yeah and then on top of all of that then you you do so once you've gone to all the seminars that you're going to and you fill in your form and you submitted all those things then you have to to have six visits by an assessor and they're two hour visits spaced two weeks apart at your home oh mm. wow that's full-on yeah, so and they they part of that you they ask you in depth questions about your family, your relationships, about your preparation uh, for parenthood. They even ask, you know, how intimate you are and how often with your partner and like oh. there's lots of questions about like your relationship. How is that relevant? Well, it's probably more to do with your relationship and um, just exploring your relationship. Like they, they, they cover everything. Yeah. <laughs> How did that feel answering those questions to, well, I suppose by the end of it, she wasn't a complete stranger, but at the start of it, she was. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you just answer it. Like you just like, 
Yeah. I think for me, I don't like being obsessed at the best of time. No. Like I, that it's not that I have anything to hide. I just feel. It's none of your business. Well, I, <laughs> I, I just, as I said, I'm a very shy person. So I, yeah, it's just to do with that. It's like I don't have anything to hide. So we obviously just went through everything. And then they do their report at the end of it. And they submit all the, like, because you fill in paperwork with them. Mm-hmm. So while you're chatting to them and they look around your house, they assess your house as well. So what's that process like where they're assessing the house? Well, they just look at potential, like, as things that could cause a risk to, like, child safety. Mm-hmm. So where you might have to baby-proof or yeah. put up protective barriers or things like that before you're placed with a child so um, and I was speaking to your husband about this and he was saying that that your assessor came up with some interesting suggestions for where your house may not have been baby proof yes and I was mortified because we have a, a laundry sheet mm. from the top bathroom to down to the laundry and my husband the assessor said oh that would need to be covered he's like oh yeah just install a bungee cord and I was like die <laughs> I'm like, no, definitely won't. He's like, I'm joking. I'm like, oh my goodness, don't joke like that. <laughs> you know, this woman holds the power for whether or not we could potentially be parents, and you're joking about this thing. Uh, I was, he's got a good sense of humor. And I think I was just. He's thinking, got a very dry sense of humor, though, doesn't he? So you really? need to know him quite well to know that he is actually joking because he keeps a very straight face. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but she knew okay, like, cool. that I would not let that and he was joking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so things like that and, like, we, we're not allowed to have stones in the backyard. So, oh, okay. Choking hazard type well, of thing. Well, yeah, or throwing or who knows. They were, like, those big river stones. Oh, okay. Well, so, that's very unlikely to be a choking hazard because you can't get their mouth around that. Well, not when they're infants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not sure I could fit one of those in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... We we were gonna we were deciding between that and grass. We'd only put them there because we wanted the option to because after we got our, our dog Chloe, mm. uh, she obviously destroyed our garden bed. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were going to decide whether when she's a bit older we'd plant stuff or put anyway, this made our decision that we're just gonna put grass there because that was one of her suggestions to us that we could either just put plants or grass. Mm. And um yeah, so there's a few things like that, which is fine. Oh, and the one he'll probably have said is that we have an outdoor patio heater, but it's... Oh, yeah, he did say. <laughs> she, she identified that we probably need to put that way because it could fall over. Mm. And she tried wobbling it and it wouldn't fall over. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you've got to be safe. So we don't take it flippantly. And No, but you've got to find the fall. funny side. Yeah. Now, you know, you, like You do have to laugh. Yeah, and I think he was saying as well about all of the baby proofing that you've had to do, and I know he was saying, you know, I actually think the baby proofing has made the house more dangerous because now he's pulling these things off and trying to chew them, so now all the baby proofing is becoming choking hazards and all those oh, kinds of things. We we went a bit OTT because um, we were putting all the ones around the sharp corners, Yeah, but that's probably the one he was talking about because then... It drew the baby took because it was right yeah. at their height. They yeah. wanted to pick it off. Yeah. 
so then we took that off but the rest of the baby proofing we, we left on because mm. um, that helped just the baby gates for the stairs and um oh yeah the definitely. latches for the cupboards and yeah. things like that so and he also said that there was an issue potential that the assessor raised a potential issue with your dog oh yes that that was a thing so they're saying if that there wasn't what they were trying to get at was if there was an issue or the dog looked like that they might uh, be aggressive towards the baby or the child or or the child has allergies, would you give it away? But it just wasn't clear to us what they were saying when they first said it, the mm. way it was phrased. It sounded like, would you give up your dog to have a child? And it's like, well, we've already made that commitment to, like we take commitments seriously, so we've already committed to looking after yeah. and we've got this bond with our dog and so we wouldn't just give her away to get something better because what message would that send to a child mm. that's it i'm not going to give away my c grade student to get an a grade student so i'm not going to give away yeah yeah um so we we clarified that with them um because obviously if chloe did look like she was going to do anything then we would we wouldn't be able to look at her the same way, but mm. she's the most gentle dog and they love each other and they're so good with each other, but we don't leave them alone together. Mm. We're like full on monitoring. Uh, yeah, so that all worked out. So <laughs> that bit of conversation and stress has all worked out. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but I, I guess it just goes into that. How did it feel to have somebody have so much control over those aspects of your life? Well, with the assessor, I think that was also why I was a bit nervous because I was like, they're basically saying if I'm good enough. Mm. So I think for me that was like I don't, it wasn't that they have control, but it was just more like, Am I good enough? Like, it, I've gone through all this stuff and you really feel prepared <laughs> by the end of it. Um, yeah, so. But it must be really difficult feeling as though you're, that's that kind of loss of control that somebody else gets to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to be good enough parents or good enough to be parents but also things that somebody else has control over whether or not you have river stones in your back garden. Like I've had river stones in my back garden when I had small children and nobody came into my back garden and told me I couldn't have them. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's just my philosophy. At least I can say I've met that standard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at least I can say it, that I'm doing my best and that, I have put in place all these things. Yeah, you might not need to, like something might not happen, but at least we, we're giving it every chance. Mm. And I didn't mind it. I was like, we'll just, it's a good, we'd baby proof anyway. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we were deciding about that anyway. So, but different people might have different philosophies to that. It, and at least, having this conversation people can prepare themselves yeah and that you know as i said to you when i invited you to be a guest today 
that's actually kind of the um, part of the purpose is that if people are looking at adoption to know what that process looks like it's not that you just you know you go in and they hand you an envelope full of babies for you to pick from there's um you know that's really not how the process works so I guess sharing some of the realities that are in the but I it didn't occur to me that you would have to have six two-hour assessments in your home going through things like how intimate you are with your partner and like that it blows my mind yeah and so you do feel this all in because at least it, they know that you're you're serious and you're happy to put the child first and do the work and there there is limited children relinquished every year mm. so that's another thing that kind of goes through because people ask questions that there might only be maybe if you're lucky if you're lucky five local adoptions a year and maybe if you're lucky five international but then obviously situations change and there might not be that like yeah. it's so limited uh, because they work to support people yeah and was part of the process you know were there any questions or anything around the age of the child that you were hoping to adopt so you know whether that's babies or children is that is well that part of the process yeah they they do look at uh, what kind of age group they feel that you would be able to care with and they do ask you that but a lot of people don't realize that with local adoption it's basically babies oh, okay. like early children mm. so the most common age is around seven months ah. and that's that's the age at which our little boy was mm -hmm. when we we were placed with him mm -hmm. and fortunate so they do cover that there is permanent fostering which mm. people might hear about which is fairly similar where they might be uh older um or there's like obviously temporary fostering there's not that many permanent fostering because we also, I got a little tiny bit of information on that um, fostering as well because mm. I just wanted to get information on a lot of things at the time. and Make as informed decision as possible. Yeah, because you hear all these things but then it's like, well, how true is everything and, and it, it can change over time. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely. And another thing with applying for adoption they also get uh, three referees and then they have to like answer like a booklet there's like so many questions that they even ask like about your background and how you were and how you are and whether interactions you've had with children and yeah I just it blows my mind so you have to find three people so did you choose friends or family members you have to choose professional and then there and um so you have to friends. choose somebody from work to fill this information in about you yeah <laughs> oh okay so not only do you have to have your life examined by the people who the assessors who come into your home but you have to open that book up for professional colleagues as well yeah that blows my mind like that that's amazing but everything's uh, i'm remembering that correctly i think like yeah we had to have a professional and then we had two personal friend referees yeah. between us yeah and they have to 
answer all sorts of questions around yes. your background and your – this is not for somebody who – Not for the painter. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Like you need to be really dedicated to wanting to have a child. Yeah, it really gets you to think, are you going to put the effort in mm. when – they're born because it is a big job being a parent it's a big job looking after a child and it is and look i'm putting myself in your shoes of going all oh, right so now after all of this i now have to ask somebody i work with to be part of this process and friends to be part of this process from the department's perspective i can understand it i can understand that this beautiful little baby we need to make sure that they're being okay. placed. We need to look after them. We're the only people that get to advocate for them. So, yeah, what can we do to make sure that they're going to have the best start in life? I can understand that, and I can understand that maybe you can fool the assessors, but to have three people independent to that as well be able to stand up and say that you're decent people and deserve to be parents. <laughs> I can understand the need for it, but wow. So you were going through the process of um, going to the information sessions and having the assessments done. I'm assuming that they deemed that you were um, you were put on the prospective parent list. Yeah, so we went through all that. They write their report and then they submit the report with your application and everything to the committee. So mm -hmm. you have to wait for the committee to see it. God, there's a committee as well. Yeah. Of course there is. I mean, it makes sense that there is. But... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then they discuss and, and, and review whether you're, you're physically, financially, mentally, everything that they've assessed, uh, all the assessments whether uh, that, that you can be on the, the list. And then when you're on... Do they, they give you... So did the assessor... It was the same assessor the whole way through? Yeah. And it was a female, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So did she give you any indication that you were likely to, that you had ticked all the boxes? Yeah, so the assessor says whether that they assess you as competent or mm -hmm. not and uh, you get to look at the report before it's submitted. Oh, okay. Uh, and then if you do have any real objections, they can slightly review it, but basically what they say goes. Yeah. Which is but I guess unfair. it gives you a thing of them, like if you see something in there, oh, they've refused to remove river stones from their back, back garden. You can go, no, no, look, we've done it. So it gives you that kind of opportunity. I'm yeah. Or, if or I a... promise we didn't actually install a bungee cord from our <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, was I like, think it's a good idea. <laughs> oh, I know. Maybe when he's a bit bigger. <laughs> oh, man, he's I am joking. Everything. joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it was so funny. so many funny moments, um, and then then they when when the committee reviews it, uh, you get advised whether you've been allowed to be on the list or not, mm -hmm. and then if they've accepted you, then another person goes through with you writing a bit of a blurb. I think of it like a dating profile, <laughs> like Tinder for parenting. Yeah, two last, two last. Um, so they give you a bit of a template of what you should include, a bit about you so that the, the parents can choose. Oh, so it is actually like that the parents do actually get folders with prospective parents and they yeah, get they, to be... they get to choose from three because otherwise it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So they must, like, they ask us all sorts of questions. So we were just like, yeah, whatever, we'll just have to yeah. go and say, yep, here's all the information. And then they must give the parents something 
Because based on their answers and what suits a child, they pick the three closest matches. Ah, right. And then from that. So it really is like dating. Yeah. Yeah. And then then, uh, the relinquishing parent or parents, uh, they choose. Uh, and if it's only one parent, they have to obviously dispense with the other, but otherwise they have to really find both yeah. and really go through their process with both. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, once they've chosen, then they give you a call. So that is, I suppose that's really important that if there is a dad that, um, you know, so you've, you've got a single woman, um, that there, it's very unlikely that a potential dad could be out there in the community that his child has been put up for adoption without him knowing about it yeah they like as i said like the department do everything to care for the children so they they do like they have to do everything to try and find that parent yeah for Um, them to relinquish their rights yeah yeah so while all this was going on you were also still going through the ivf process Yes, so they do allow it, but on the proviso that if you do get pregnant, you have to tell them and then they'll pause everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not allowed to go through the process if you're placed with a child. Okay. So they used to say that you can't do IVF and this, but then you could be on the list and nothing happened. Yeah. So the the when when we were going through the process, obviously you have to check them for up to date details mm-hmm. and the current situation. But with us, that was what we were allowed to do, and we covered that with them. They asked us about that. We were very upfront and forward about all of that. So um, before we go into the IVF stuff that was happening, how long ago was it that you actually started the process of? IVF and adoption so do you know what year it was that you started yes so we had our first IVF appointment in February 16 and we had our first adoption information seminar on June 16 oh so that's five years ago now Yeah. yeah and so the you can make the process go with as quickly as possible with the adoption stuff like mm-hmm. you could potentially maybe get it done in a year and then to the committee mm-hmm. but it can take a little bit longer depending on your situation um, or how, how quickly you book things in and, and availability of seminars and things like that and how long does that take you so you started I think did you say June 2016 yeah so it took us to uh, we had home visits in 18 uh, and then so I think it was by June or August 18 so two uh, years that we did but we were a bit delayed in that we hadn't quite lived together for the required time ah okay so we had to wait uh how many months was it three months or four months so we could have that required living time together even though we were married yeah uh, and we and you'd been together for a time before you yeah, got married, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, since uh, twenty twelve. So even though we'd been together that long and we married, we still had to have lived together for mm-hmm. the required time. And yeah, so we ours was a bit delayed. So and then uh, we got the call and were placed 
with our boy in August yeah. 19, a year later. So um, I definitely want to come to that because there's a whole story around that which I think is really exciting. Um, but talk me through the IVF stuff first. Yes. So we had our appointments. We did, like, all the checks, you know, scans, blood tests, you name it. Um, they check everything. Uh, and then we had counselling, cooling off. And that, and then we tried uh, two times. Uh, the first one, we actually got pregnant, and then the following week, they said uh, it had miscarried. So you can imagine that was our first go, and we like get all excited, and then <laughs> the week later, yeah, sorry, um, oh. but they ca- they can't control that. Can't no, control that. So. We had that. Then the second one, oh, the, I had a different doctor do the transfer and they were not good. Okay. I should know this because I've worked in women's health for 18 years. What? How do they do the transfer? So you had IVF, which means they take the... Um... Yeah. So depending on your process, they'll say what you would do. So mm-hmm. sometimes they try and do less invasive things. Uh, and the minimum, and then if you have to do IVF, then there'd be obviously egg collection and sperm collection, and then they put them together, mm-hmm. and then uh, they would do the transfer. You can do live transfer or um, frozen transfer, and then there's ICSI where they inject uh, the egg. So there's so many different things. Mm. And, and then so the actual transfer, you take the medication that they tell you to take mm-hmm. uh, and then on the day of the transfer uh, they tell me if this is TMI they obviously no I'm really nosy I'm really interested I'm, I'm literally on they, the edge of my seat I don't know how they do this so. <laughs> they um, obviously go through your vagina and transfer uh, they they have a fluid that the embryo sits in and mm-hmm. then they um, squirt that in and transfer Anyway, well, and I wasn't sure if they did do it. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea how they did it. Yeah. Like, that makes sense, but I didn't know. Yeah. So. Um, and, yeah, anyway, so the the second one that, I yeah, I know what, I knew what it was going to be like, but that was, yeah, anyway, so I spoke to them about that. So I'm not doing it unless my doctor does the transfer. Yeah. So I spoke to them about that and in a polite way and then, yeah. So we did those two and then we got the we were gonna do the third one and that's when we got the call out of the blue. I was at, at my desk at work, I see this call, having a break, three o'clock in the afternoon, tea break time. So you're working full time at this point? Yeah, yeah, full time, mm-hmm. the whole time. And so is your husband. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then um I get a call. Uh, and it's from the department, um and they're like, Oh yeah, just calling to see if you're still happy to be on the list and how everything's travelling with you. I'm like, yes, I was actually going to call you soon to, to you know, because it's been a year. We just yeah. want to confirm that we're still on there and how everything is going and if there's anything else we need to do. She goes, well, actually, I was calling to say you've been chosen. Oh, I was like, I think I'm what? Like, what? <laughs> I might cry. I was like shaking like a leaf. I'm like, chosen? It's like, yes, uh, you're going to come in tomorrow morning so we can talk to you. It's a seven-month-old boy and your yeah, parent picked you and we'd like to, you know, tell you a bit more about 
the the situation yeah. and, and the child. Uh, can you come in tomorrow morning? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I get on the phone and I'm like, Miles, Craig, sit down. I was there, rang my family. I'm like, sit down. I'm in shock. This is what we've had a call. Anyway, we go in the next morning. What did Miles say? And I was like, quick, get leave, get leave. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I told you, boss, told your boss. And um, because your bosses must have obviously known that this was yeah, and they were supportive. Yeah. So they were. Uh, my bosses were so lovely. They they knew because we had to go to some of the seminars. Yeah. So I had to book some time off. They even put it under special leave. Ah. Uh, which is lovely. Anyway, so we booked the time off. We go in there. Uh, in the morning, we ended up booking the whole day off, which was lucky because yeah. we get all the information. They say, take a moment to think about it. And if you are really keen and serious, you can meet, meet the child and then you can tell us if you're ready to adopt. Anyway, so the next morning we go, we get all the information. We sit in the car and I say, right, we need to decide, are we going to be parents or not? Like most parents, they get find out they're pregnant. And yeah. Like, okay. Well, we're, we're having a baby. Out. We're doing this now. <laughs> and for us, this is like, okay, well, we've found out. And so, are we? Are we re- like, if we're going to be parents, this is it. Like, yeah. Are we going to do it? And then, you know, could there be any potential things we have to support the child through? Any mm. difficulties, um, whether they be physical like health issues or yeah. mental or other things that would have to and I was like well then we just take it a day at a time you just mm-hmm. take the child as an individual you just get all the support and you just do it I'm like let's do it anyway so we said yes uh, we'd like to meet meet the little boy and uh, and go ahead and we did and we fell in love and we met him every day. So in the meantime, we're like, bring that boss. It's like, we need, I need time off. So I have to meet him every day. And then we have to yeah. madly run around, get baby stuff, like yeah, a whole nursery. That was, um, so I obviously know your husband outside of this for something. And he came to an event that I was at and he was kind of explaining that, I mean, he was still shell-shocked <laughs> when, I, um, when I was talking to him about it. And... He showed me a photo and said, we've got a seven-month-old baby boy. I was like, how did that happen? (laughs) I just saw you a month ago and you didn't have a baby. Now you've got a seven-month-old. But he was saying that it was, you know, you were both still working and trying to see him every day. You had a very, very short window between before he came to live with you. Yeah. And you didn't have a nursery ready or like any of the – most parents have nine months to get ready – well, you know, seven, eight months to get ready for – a child coming to live with them. How long did you have? Uh, well, eleven days. Eleven days. <laughs> but they they do a process. So the reason they get you to visit every day, so you, it's a slower transition. Yeah. Because it's a big thing. The poor child has got used to got used being to away care. from the birth mum. Yeah. That's that's a trauma in itself, and that's. That's something that they they will obviously live with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you support them through that, um, and then they've bonded with the pre-adoptive yeah. foster parents, and then 
this is another change for them. So you, you take it slow. So that's why you visit them every day. It, it's also a chance so you get to know the child and the routine to yeah. make it as smooth as possible. This is for local. International adoption is different. different. Yeah. Um, and long, I don't have all that information. Yeah. How long had he been with the foster um, family? The seven months. So they got him when he was three days old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that must have been difficult for him and for the family. Yeah, so I I, I cannot imagine what the, the, the relinquishing parents go through. It's such a massive thing. And I just my heart goes out to them and my thoughts and I never judge. I always think, you know, if I had to give something up or if I'd been through something, like you just have to just be so considerate and just mm. just I just I'm forever grateful to mm. be entrusted with this. Yeah. Do you know I'm assuming that you don't, but do you know why the birth parents relinquished? Yes, and that that's our son's story. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, no. It, it, it's his. Yeah, no, I wasn't asking you to share. No, just I no, um, yeah. wondered whether or not does that actually get shared with. So shared with you, or whether or not you, that's... you do, you yeah. do get shown that because obviously you have to prepare the child, and it's all open, and ah. they, they mean that if if the relinquishing parent feels comfortable, yeah, they choose the terms of that and how much contact uh, they would like. Ah, and and whether that just be letters or visits or things like that, because it may be difficult for them. Oh, I imagine it must be incredibly it, difficult oh, it, for it, them. It, unimaginable. Yeah. Uh, so you go through that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you're always in contact with the department during this time, and they confirm how much visit, and then you obviously have to fill in all the paperwork and things like that, uh, and get the room ready mm. and get everything ready for the child and I was lucky to be able to take half days off. But those half days off you were spending with the baby weren't you? Uh, yes <laughs> uh, and getting a few things ready. And, um, I think um, you know when you when I was speaking with Miles he was kind of going yeah we were spending all the time we possibly could with the baby and then running into the baby shops you know 10 minutes before they were closing mm-hmm. or got a half an hour lunch break quick run in and get whatever you can and just kind of leaving with arms full trying to 11 days yeah. to get everything that you need I'll for a baby. Our, all our family uh, helped yeah. as well. So um, it's really fortunate to have supportive family. Yeah. So like we were kind of looking at stuff online, and like my mum and dad will go get stuff, and Miles's parents, and all the all the our sisters and, yeah. and family, um, they all came with arms full of stuff that they collected from their friends, like yeah, um, or that they had that their friends had returned to them or yeah. whatever. So we were lucky we did have all that uh, support, but then we were also madly running around. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was a blur, but then obviously with new parents it probably is a blur. Yeah. My but... husband jokes, oh, you know, these birth parents, they get um, nine months or how many yeah. months to prepare. And, we and did we all only have days. days. <laughs> yeah. But I said, oh, well, yeah, but it, they'd still be in a blur at the beginning and it's, it, it is different. And I, think yeah, I think he's just, it's his humour. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't 
meaning anything by that, but he jokes a lot. Oh, but I'm, you know, I totally understand that. I think that, so I have three children and yes, after having babies, there is a blur, but it's a different blur because you have, you know, um, you you have had seven, eight months to get used to the idea that you're going to have a child and you've got seven, eight months to to get it all sorted and to let your work know that you're going to need time off and to you can't ever prepare for what new parenthood feels like but you've got time to plan and to prep and even though you'd been you'd had two years of planning and prepping you hadn't because you can't go out and get a nursery ready because you don't know you don't know if you're gonna have if you're actually going to get a child you don't know if you're gonna have a boy or a girl you don't know how old that child's going to be it mm. was literally a phone call in the middle of the day and the next day it yeah. happened yeah and and then you, you slow like during the transition when you're meeting them you slowly take over all the caring duties uh. while you're there so feeding bathing they do mixture of morning or or afternoon yeah evening, things like that and then uh just that must be pretty amazing like the those pre-adoptive foster parents or foster families so amazing. So I'm um, to care for that child, but then to open their home so that you can come in and be part of that process. And then they're obviously going to be grieving as well because yeah. they're bonded with the child. That's it. Oh, and our, honestly, we have been so blessed. Like our 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 relinquishing um, parent and the the department who we or the people that we were involved with with that. Our pre they just so amazing, and our and our beautiful boy is just so yeah. amazing. So, and um, one of the things I wanted to ask is, so with that around the relinquishing parent, they get to because it's open, they get to choose what kind of um, contact they have. How were you aware of? You must have been aware of that beforehand, and hmm, how how does that feel? So I I've seen it as myself is the more people that care for my child the better yeah beautiful. they're just an extra family extra yeah. friend whatever they would like to be and the child if it was me i think if i was adopted i would want to know who i put myself in the and the most important thing is put yourself in the, yeah. the child's and the other people's point of views because mm-hmm. if you were given up for adoption you, you'd have questions yeah you want to know who am i yeah who where did i parents? come from where did i come from why did they give me up what like you'd have all these questions and so i'm not afraid of that and mm. you have to really be not threatened you yeah. have to help them with that because it is important mm. and it is them and it's not going to take away from you you have to keep telling yourself that it's actually going to add to your life yeah you've had this beautiful beautiful gift to help the child and you in a way it's kind of selfish you want to be a parent but they are unfortunately unable to be with their relinquishing parent um for whatever reason Mm. And so that's a loss for them. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to just always remember that. Mm. And yeah, so I just think of it as adding, like, and I just like, hey, this is what we're up to, you know, those yeah. 
I think of it like one of those Christmas letters. Like, yeah. This is what we've done this year. You know, we've done this and this and this. How are you going? You know, and they, they cover what, what you should include about health and education and milestones, I milestones guess. Milestones or yeah. funny things or little things that you want to share with them. Do you keep a copy of those? Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it would be quite nice as well for you to, because often when you are in that blur, you you know, but you, we have like so many parents have baby books, but they don't get filled out because you're just just too exhausted or you just you know. But if you are writing those and you've got that copy, that's that must be really lovely to be able to have those to show where he's been and those milestones and yeah. You know, and I was actually, well. I I'm like always in the evening on parenting things like getting the most recent proper parenting advice, obviously through the department, yeah. going to any of those proper vetted courses. You don't just, you know, some parent, like stuff on the internet can be dodgy. but uh, <laughs> Very much so, yes. Yeah, and so it has to be properly, like, I try and always get information. Yeah. So I'm constantly, you know, how can I be better and how can I support through this and, um, you have to have a plan of how you're going to help them through mm. it and like it's not a secret but obviously it's theirs to share yeah yeah so you're not ashamed of it but obviously it's up to them because mm. you're still their parents yeah and, but they've also got a birth parent yeah so they've got two and every family like there's so many different family things like options now there really are yeah. yeah and there's no such thing as a normal a normal family you know I think yeah. there's so many different Families look really different in so many different ways. Um, so tell me, so one of the things, like I said, I have three children and we knew that we were expecting children and so we had those seven, eight months to come up with names for our babies. You had 11 days. Yeah, well, they just said, well, we were fortunate. Most of the time the relinquishing parent chooses the first name. Ah, Whereas ours was different, our relinquishing parent wanted to choose the middle name oh. and wanted us to experience being able to choose a first name, which was so Oh, that's so beautiful. beautiful. And um, we thanked her for that. And, um, yeah, it's just so lovely. Mm. Uh, and so then we had to think of a name. And then it was, it was good because I was so, like, all over the place in my mind because I was like okay I've got to do this this isn't this, this but I was like so running around and and also in shock getting used to yeah. that when our um worker our social worker spoke to us she said oh just let us know the name and then we can run it by I was like oh yeah that's a good idea to run it by the birth parent and see what they think if, yeah. if it's going to trigger anything or whatever yeah. I said yes please and send her our, our love and so we, we t spoke overnight and in a way I think it was actually good for us mm. because it kind of, you just get all the decisions done. It can be overwhelming only having a limited time to mm. get all that done but then in a way it's kind of good because then you don't, like, you don't waste time. You're just like, right, make a decision, bam, 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 done. Yeah. And Because uh, yeah. it was quite time sensitive you did only have a short yeah, amount of so, time to choose uh on the we got called on monday we found our information on the tuesday met him on the tuesday and then every day and then by 
the following Saturday he mm. was with us. So we had on the Friday he did a short uh, five-hour visit where we put him to a day sleep at our house because he was having uh, three naps at that stage. And oh, naps, I remember them. Yeah, naps, <laughs> naps are good. Naps yeah. are good. If you're tired, naps. Because yeah. um, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Stuff. Uh, anyway, and spent time with us at our house and then the next day they brought him over in closer to the evening, mm-hmm. so around 4 o'clock, and he had dinner with us, and, and um, they say the best way to do the transition is that. But it really, like, our social worker was in contact with our pre-adoptive foster carer to see whether that was right, and then we had basically one overnight to think of a name, Oh, which was good, and, yeah, yeah, we, we chose it, and then they, they happened to really like it. And so, yeah. And then, so the birth certificate, you're listed on his birth certificate now? Yes. So what happens is then when they're placed with you, you get a monthly visit for six, so once a month for six months, Mm -hmm. so six visits based a month apart to obviously see how they're settling in and how you're going, um, caring for the child and looking after the child and how bonded you are. Mm-hmm. So for the first month, you're not allowed to really see anyone. Uh, so you have to stay home, not go anywhere, not see anyone. You can have... So you must have... So you obviously took... Is it maternity leave that you yeah. take? Yeah. yeah. So I organised that in, in those... In days. those 11 days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, and then getting all my work done... Uh, and everything like that. Was, so was Miles? Did he take that whole month off as well? No. Okay. He got three days. No. And then it was a week, week or two until the school holidays, and he had the two weeks. Mm. And then because he's a teacher. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it was me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and um, and so they do do the visits. And then the assessor uh, either like they they either sign off on on you or, or I don't know they go through a process if you're not mm-hmm. um, meeting everything. But luckily we yeah, yes. we, we we passed <laughs> ticked all the boxes. And then and then you go through the process of was that nerve wracking? Uh, no, well, I didn't find it as nerve wracking as the assessor. Yeah. I mean, it was just more that I just don't, but like, I'm very shy. I don't like being assessed. Yeah. Uh, so that was fine. Um, and then every time she might bring something and to show us or talk about, and then obviously she just enjoyed getting to see Cameron because uh, obviously he was happy and yeah. having fun, and that was a good, good thing to see. And then they sign up, and then you fill in all the. Uh, you have to apply, so you go through the courts to um, apply for adoption. Do you actually go to court for that? Yeah, well, we chose a lawyer, mm-hmm. and then you submit all the applications. So you don't actually have to go into a courtroom. Ah, uh, yeah. You just like file it through the mm-hmm. courts and that. Uh, so yeah, so we went through a lawyer for that, and um, yeah, and then when that all comes back. Uh, you can then go and uh, apply for a new uh, birth certificate. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And 
do you celebrate like really important things um do you celebrate twice a year so do you celebrate his birthday and then his coming to live with you day so i mean there's two schools of thought but we do obviously celebrate his birthday because mm-hmm. that's his birthday that's yeah. when he was born we, and then we kind of have a family day yeah where we just do something special as a family on the day that he was placed with us mm-hmm. and obviously we can you know look look at that and you always you know we have photos available for him to look at and his story um and he's he's met his birth mum mm-hmm. uh, but everyone's different uh and yeah so you can have kind of like a family day people call it what do you call her uh we call her his tummy lady mm. at the moment because of his age yeah and then obviously it'll progress to birth mother um, yeah and then if they develop a relationship as things go then he can um can work it out with to. her yeah uh, yeah. As he gets older, yeah. Yeah, we call his um, pre-adoptive foster mum auntie. Oh, nice. Um, and we explain to him that you got to stay with auntie while while you're your your tummy lady because it's a bit confusing for them if you say mum at the yeah time. yeah. Uh, you your while your tummy lady was choosing mummy and daddy and then mummy and daddy were chosen and when your mummy and daddy forever and ever and ever you can't get rid of us because <laughs> <laughs> then they're not scared like and then they understand yeah and um yeah and say special bond with her and yeah oh that's really beautiful would you choose to adopt again if you do go through it again Mm -hmm. you can you can choose you have to go through the process again but it's a tiny bit shorter so you don't have to go through the seminars again if it's within a few years and then, but you still would have a meeting with them, which is kind of like in lieu of a seminar. Yeah. And then you would fill in the forms to apply again. They do all the checks again. So medical, financial, oh, yeah. um, health, uh, obviously, you know, police clearance checks, you name it. They do all the checks again and you pay $1,000 to be reviewed again. And instead of six visits, you'd have, three visits and they really focus on reviewing any of the other the stuff mm. but then also seeing how if the two children have different stories yeah. and one uh relinquishing parent wants more contact than the other mm. like how do you manage that and then if they have different issues or they don't get i don't know how you manage any of that like it all it's all beyond my it sounds the way you manage it sounds beautiful but it's all beyond my scope of imagination i had not thought of so you have to really most of the things that you things. had said yeah and protective details like you know making sure you put in place protective boundaries so that like it can limit the chance of abuse mm. um and oh honestly the amount of stuff they go through you really feel prepared <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and i just see it like that because you have to you yeah know. um yeah so you really have to look at that and in the seminars you actually hear from a, like a relinquishing parent and adoptive person Ooh. pre-adopted foster. so you get a bit of a story from yeah. their perspective uh each of the perspectives i tell you what that must take some guts for that relinquishing parent to stand up in front of that group yeah, of people yeah and luckily um they've been able to uh you know keep in contact mm. uh, but um and they 
felt that they yeah. would be able to share We're the story. comfortable to share that. Yeah, and um, as part of that, I'd already they'd already kind of touched on if you adopt it again because, you know, that that can cause a few issues, particularly mm. as they're getting to adolescence or they're getting to stages where they're thinking about that or why do they, their parent is more than my parent. So you, you've got to really prepare yourself for that. Mm. And at this point, we felt we don't, we don't want to. I don't want to take people away from it. A lot of people do adopt again. Mm. Uh, as, and sometimes that's a, a, a pro. Yeah. Like a parent, a relinquishing parent might want someone with a, another sibling. Yeah. So if you are able to have biological children, you can still adopt. Mm. But people might not necessarily think about that. But then it really, it honestly, it, it depends on individuals. Yeah. Um, so. And it, that's it. It is a really individual story. And your story is unique to you, um, most definitely. It's just... I just haven't ever talked to anybody who's gone through this process before. So it's really it's been really eye-opening for me. And hopefully you can see that there are many aspects for people to consider and it's no one right thing. Obviously, the department does all their checks, but if you feel comfortable then you can, and you've adopted, you can apply to adopt again yeah. as long as you're within the age range. Um, what is the age range? Uh, uh, please check correct details of the department from my recollection i think you have to be under age 45 to first adopt and then you've got uh maybe an extra the upper limit goes up to an extra five or ten years after that but do check the yeah, yeah, yeah. ages with the department yeah. and, and you have to go through the process anyway mm. um, and they'll give you up-to-date details so yeah oh well um so a couple of very quick questions you spoke about um preparation for parenting did you feel prepared to be a parent I mean I'd gone through all that stuff and I just I just was like you just jump into it yeah with it was there anything I think you spoke as well about some of the additional additional trauma that children who have been relinquished experience did you do anything extra to be prepared for parenting a child who has experienced trauma well, they go through that in the seminars as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so separation and adoption, preparation for adoptive parenting, things like that. And so they kind of cover that. And when you're going through the assessment, they go, well, how will you explain it to them? How will you support that with them? What resources will you access? And so you kind of go through that with them. So I actually went to um, an adoptive play group as well. Well, that was my next question. Do you meet with other parents who have adopted yeah, well. so we, we were encouraged to do that, but I wanted to do that anyway because I was like, I wanted to get out and talk to people. But With I'm, similar and shared experiences. Well, yeah. Um, so there, there are lots of resources out there. Um, How long did you end up taking off work? I, I took two years. Yeah. Uh, because I was had that opportunity mm. and we, we at, with my work and also with us financially. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so you, which gave you that solid two years to be able to really bond with him beautifully, mm -hmm. I imagine. Yeah. Do you when you meet people, do you tell them that you that he's adopted, or do you like does that is that part of how you identify yourself? Does it become part of your identity? As I said, I'm not not ashamed of it. I don't hide it. But then you don't have to like tell every single person. I don't need a flashing you. light above yeah, my head either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was so weird. Like when I. Tom, um, my boss, I've just got this call. I've been yeah. chosen to adopt. 
our learning and development officer said, oh, I'm adopted. And I was like, I never knew that. Yeah. And then our contact centre manager said, oh, I'm adopted. I was like, yeah. So, like, if, if we're close enough, mm. I might say, and obviously our close friends obviously all knew. Yeah, because you rocked up with a seven-month-old the next day. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, like, you don't just tell Joe Blow in the street, yeah. you know. Um, and that's probably, so one of the reasons that I invited you to um, to be a guest here today is because there are so many people who experience it, but again, you don't you don't need it as a flashing light above your head and above your head or above your child's head, which means that I think it can be really powerful to hear other people that have gone through this and what that experience can be like. So I really appreciate you sharing yeah, that. My pleasure. If you were talking to somebody who was considering adoption, yeah. do you have any advice for them? You have to go in with a sense of humour. You have to just, what I've said, just you have to focus on the child. You have, and you really realise you're kind of doing it for it, like because you want something. Yeah. I think just arming yourself with this information would help. Um, yeah, I think that's the main things because you go through a lot of it in the um, in the seminars. In the seminars. Yeah. And how does it feel being a mum? Oh, it, it's really good. Like It's like any parent. You have your days where you're a bit tired, um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. And any other final thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, it's just any, whether you're not a parent, you're not a mum, whether you'd like to be a mum and you're not able to, whether you've gone through some losses, any aspect of being a woman um, just, is beautiful and life's an adventure mm. don't stress you'll work through it get support and enjoy beautiful thank you so much for joining me today and thank you so much for sharing so much about your story i do really appreciate it and it was absolutely fantastic to chat to you today my pleasure thank you Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.